0: All systems ready. Hello, and welcome back to the Lesson 10 Small Gang Podcast. Uh, I am 10, as usual, and joining me today is Andy Astronaut. Hello, hello. Um, it has been a little bit since our last episode, which is mostly on me because I was super busy with work, and then on my last day of work for the year, I managed to contract COVID. So then I had COVID, and now I feel better, but. Uh, there's been a bit of a gap between episodes here, and hopefully going into the new year, we'll be able to pick
1: that up a little bit. I have a couple ideas already.
0: Andy, what's the most interesting thing that's happened to you in your Eve year this year?
1: Yeah, so I was thinking about this right before the show, um, and a lot of things happened this year that I didn't realize this were this year. Like, I thought they were farther away just because it seems like it's been forever, Um, but I mean like the kind of the biggest standout one, which is like zero surprise to anyone was, uh, taking part in the AT, like that's by far the biggest, both like time-wise commitment that I made this year, as well as like the biggest single thing I think I did in Eve this year. Um, so that's like by far kind of the, the one that stands out to me, but I was thinking about it and I realized that, um, this is also the year that Noir moved to Thera and kind of dropped most slash all our blues and kind of moved more into like small gang not being part of a block whatsoever and kind of doing that kind of thing so i think those are probably kind of the two big like interesting significant things that happened um i was also watching my recap video over the holiday um and realized i'd been to like a lot of systems so i'd been doing like a lot of roaming um but yeah that's kind of like Not so much interesting, but it was kind of cool to see like just the number. I think I I was in like over 2000 systems. Some of the guys in our corp were in like 3000 plus. So they shot my numbers out of the water. But it was just kind of cool to see like how much we've been roaming and like how many places we've been in Eve was pretty cool.
0: That is cool. Someone, I think in Noir, linked that they had been in more than 2000 individual wormhole systems in the last year which I thought was um, a lot, a lot of scanning.
1: I felt really good about my numbers because like, you know, it gives you like the percentile you're in or whatever. And so like for number of systems total that I visited, I was like, the second percentile or whatever and then we had two different guys in noir one of the guys being um lucas who i think was the one that posted the wormhole one yeah i think um and both of them were in the top one percent and had hit like three thousand some systems and i was like well i don't feel cool anymore (laughs) but it was like yeah it was just fun it was good to see like it's impressive like how much people are just like out there looking for content um not always finding it but at least looking
0: yeah it's cool I think the most interesting statistic from my year in e-video and actually didn't last year, didn't we get some choices about what to put into it? Like what stats we wanted to see?
1: Uh, I think so. I'm trying to remember because I remember last year was the first year they actually did it. I remember it being really cool, but I think there was like, yeah, like a little survey or something that you could. Yeah. Pick.
0: There was a, like put my exploration stats and my combat stats in or something. I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but there was some input.
1: Yeah, and this one just kind of auto-generated for you, but I think it picked based on like areas that you were most active on. Because I know that some people in corp got different stats than I got.
0: Yeah, for sure. I saw some people got scanning stats, and I didn't get any scanning stats, which makes sense since I didn't do any scanning or exploration. Um, I think the most interesting stat I got was that my my nemesis, the person who killed me most in the last year, was um, Skykiller Russian who has only ever killed me in Abyssal Arenas, who I think he's always in the, or often in the, you know, kind of top 10 of the, the the Proving Grounds Arenas. I just thought it was interesting to see that, like, that apparently is the place that I die the most.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially the same person, right? That makes sense if he's really active and you were like, active in abyssals. Yeah, for sure.
0: Aside from that, the most interesting thing for me in the last year, and I, I also had to check that it was in fact this this last year that we started it. But this corporation that I'm in, NanoCurrency, started um, near the start of this year, and running that and hanging out with them and all that has been by far the most interesting part of my eve life. A lot of it's Thermo guys who moved over when Thermo was, you know, kind of shutting down because Yan was busy and it was just was not active. Um, and Pharaoh and I started nanocurrency as a place for us all to move to basically and we've you know had a couple people come and a couple people go and but it's generally been great.
1: Yeah and it's cool to see that well I'm happy that you guys joined the alliance and joined us in Thera so that was super fun. Um, and then it's been cool to see like you guys staying pretty active too. Um, I know a lot of the guys have like kind of moved to Tama instead of Thera, but it's cool to like still see stuff hit the killboard from um, all the nanocurrency guys. Yeah, yeah, because I kind of met you guys before you became NanoCurrency, like when like half of you were still in Thermo, kind of thing. Um, so I got to see like when NanoCurrency was formed, but all from the outside, basically.
0: Yeah, I think the first time I ever ran into you in space, me, Feyroll, and a couple other guys got in a fight with a Noir gang or some gang that you were a part of. in like three VEDMAX, and you guys had like an armageddon and some other stuff or something
1: oh yes 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 yep i remember this um yeah this was when we were still in rc um and you guys popped up on intel and i was like i know these dudes i want to go fight them (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so uh, like i was in an interceptor yeah you guys had like three it was you feral um I'm trying to remember.
0: Jocastas? Yeah.
1: Zalor was there there for sure. I think he was the third Vedmac and I forget who else was there. Like one or two other people were there. Yeah, and we got our butts kicked, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it was like a fun fight, and it was one of those things where it was super close. I think like Pharaoh yeah. um, got out in like structure or something like that in his Ved mag.
0: I clearly recall being like, "Oh, everything's going fine," and then the Valkyries that that Armageddon intelligently launched instead of heavies hit me, and I was like, "I gotta, I gotta leave. I gotta go."
1: Yeah, I remember. Oh, I s- still remember that. <laughs> I remember I stayed on grid um, because Pharaoh was almost dead. He was in structure. And I was like, I know I'm going to die, but I think I can hold him until he dies or someone gets secondary. Uh, And then I popped. He still had, like, half structure. I thought somebody else would get tackle. No one did. And then he just warped off. And I was like, no. I was like, if it would have been a trade, it would have been fine. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure, if I'm recalling this correctly, I'm pretty sure Zalorb was in an XLASB Vedmac. And Feral and I were in armor (laughs) Vedmacs.
1: Yeah, we picked the wrong VEDMAC to shoot first then.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Actually, SP is a lot of... A lot of Yeah, I was going to say,
1: it's a lot of burst tank. That's true. Yeah, we also didn't realize there were three VEDMACs because you guys had like a couple of people going and scouting around. Um, so we thought it was like two VEDMACs. <laughs> it ended up being that plus something else. And I was just like, oh, this is more than we oh, thought was yep.
0: there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was interesting. I think that was the first time I recall encountering you in space because i think i already knew you from the podcast
1: yeah and i I guess at that time i don't know if it would have been before i was on the podcast but when i was still helping kind of in the background or if it would have been like actually from podcast i think it would yeah yeah probably be when i was kind of in the background but yeah
0: but i was like oh hey i I know this guy (laughs) he's come to fight us which is i think a very what essentially small gang attitude to take about it like when i see my friends in space i i never think oh we can gang up on someone else my first thought is like i'm gonna kill him
1: (laughs) yeah it's like can we shoot each other right now
0: right and then but like if one of us is in the middle of fighting someone else maybe we'll kill that person first yeah for sure but the 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 first thought isn't like oh we're friends i'm safe now it's oh we're friends let's do this (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. And but the kind of speaking of the the gang up, that's been kind of one of the cool things that I can't like point out a lot of like specific examples. Um, but this never used to happen when we were like blue with RC where we were before. Um, but like a lot of times we'll be somewhere and we'll see another roaming gang, usually like uh, some people from like a wormhole or something, and we'll end up kinda either both in system and there's like an ESS next door or something that's good, and they'll be like, Hey, like do you want to go fight these people in the ESS or like, Hey, do you want to see if we can bust this camp on this gate or whatever? And that's been kind of cool. Like the, like getting to take part in kind of those like impromptu kind of gangs. Right.
0: Cause you're not the home defense force.
1: Right. Exactly. And then the second they're gone, you're like, okay, we're going to go shoot each other again. But it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I, I hate them more than I hate you. Guys. <laughs> so <laughs> Let's go. I just want to shoot someone. But if you and I can work together to shoot someone, let's go.
0: Yeah, I had a, a fun experience like that a couple of months ago. I just yeeted a stabber into NullSec and I was just derping around. And these guys were kind of chasing me in like a Ferox and a Serb and a Gnosis or something. Like something that wasn't like, I could stay on grid with it, but it was definitely, I couldn't really kill any of them. I couldn't stay close to them long enough to kill any of them. And so I like was backing off a couple jumps towards there and I ran into... Um, trinity weaver from the minions in a draugr who was just out by himself and we ended up spending like 45 minutes or an hour just like sparring around on uh like an ihub grid with these guys who are coming and going and like we were just doing all of the skirmishing that you can do with two ships that shoot 30 kilometers against a, a fair
1: which is very rough yeah
0: it was, you know, it was a little bit like we would kind of take turns and one of us would have something pointed so they wouldn't all leave, then they'd come back and it was just like back and forth for a while. I don't think anyone on either side died in the end, but it was really fun.
1: Yeah, I think that happened uh, not too long ago also with Minions uh, and some of our EU guys. They were uh, roaming in Providence, I think, and I, I want to say it was Minions, but I forget if it was them or someone else. And they, they did the same thing. Like We lost one person to... To them coming into system and then they found a gate on that uh, like a camp on the outgate and they were like, hey, you wanna come shoot these guys? I think with the, like if we team up we can kill them and they were just like, Yeah, let's go for it, and they just like wiped this camp and then moved on.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's fun. I've definitely been killed by the minions a number of times, and they're always a little bit like, Oh, we're like, you know, they're roaming with three tiers or something, and he's streaming, and you see one or two of them pop up in local, and you're like, Okay, here come the snaked interceptors in Vedmax.
1: Yep, yeah, and you're like, mm. yeah, you gotta decide if you want to fight it or not, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think overall, I would say this past year has been a pretty good year for EVE, despite, you know, being a bit of a clusterfuck
1: of a year in many other ways. Well, you say that, but this is the year that they buffed Marauders, and I don't know if uh... anything makes it up for a- that. <laughs> I was going to try to avoid saying it, but I was like, you said it's a pretty good year. I don't know if you can say that without acknowledging the the terrible, terrible choice that was to just buff literally everything on Marauders.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's not the end of the world. In my mind, it's it's like when anything could light a Sino and supers applied to subcaps. You can fight until the Sino goes up, and then you have to leave. You can fight until the Marauder shows up, and then you have to leave.
1: That's true. At least they had to waste, like, Ozone then, but, you know, like...
0: Yeah, sometimes you could, like, snipe the Sino ship real quick. Yeah,
1: but, but yeah, you're right. Like, I remember, you know, when you would tackle, like, a VNI and it would light a Sino, and then they'd bring in, like, 10 caps to nuke you. Like, that doesn't yeah. happen anymore. So, you know, like, memory short. You kind of forget about those things.
0: For a while, and then...
1: And they were like, no, it's too good for you. <laughs> Get back where you belong. But yeah, that's, that's true. And they've tuned it back a lot for the most part. Like the the EWR resistances have been tuned back a little bit. So that's been like kind of helpful. But still, I don't know. I hate Marauders and I, I hate that change. But other than that, it's been like a pretty good year in EVE. Um, well, as far as like roaming content and that kind of thing, it definitely dried up some with the war. But at least in the last few weeks, it, it, it's always weird around the holidays. But at least in the last few weeks, it seems like there's been... More people out now that the war is like done. People are kind of settling back home. People are like yeah, out I mean, and active I mean, again.
0: There's definitely been more more people in space, though. You know, since we're we're kind of talking about this already, we're we're going to talk about things that we want CCB to change that they haven't really talked about. And um, you <laughs> you you've written out several things about uh, Marauders here, but particularly the Varger. And I agree that large auto cannons. Um, there's something about fall-off bonus large autocannon platforms that lets you stretch their effective range further than almost any other short-range weapon system, I think.
1: Right. Yeah. So for the people who can't see our show notes, which is literally everyone listening, I said um, some Marauders are bearable, but Varger's making you want to uninstall. I said maybe this is a large AC problem because AC max also suck. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: it's the like half and half optimal in falloff and being effective in falloff. And so things like tracking computers, like if you put a tracking computer on a pulse laser ship, the optimal half matters and the tracking half or the falloff half of the bonus is like eh, whatever. Because your falloff is only like three kilometers long to start with. But with autocannons, you get both chunks of the bonus if you fit multiple tracking computers and script them differently and stuff like that. So I think that's part of it. I've definitely been like had effective DPS done to me from nearly 200 kilometers from an AC Macario, which is like, you know, they are battleships and everything, but that's not short range weapon system range.
1: Right, yeah, so that's kind of what brought up like, wh- where I said maybe it's like a AC, large ACs need nerfs and not really Marauders or not, you know, Marauders or not Varders specifically. Um, because I was actually roaming with the Nano guys. Um, it was like some Noir guys and Nano guys and we were fighting on the ESS grid and we had, like, we were trying to string out this fleet um, and we got like a couple kills on like small frigs. Um, but then they had this AC Mac. It was going the same speed as our Vedmax, <laughs> and was shooting us from 80 plus kilometers and MJDing. yeah um, and then they had a Lechesis, which was damping our mollus, so we couldn't damp down the the mac which was like good on them that was smart smart play but yeah we were just like we can't outpace this mac uh it shoots us from 80 kilometers we can't shoot that far like what do we do and like it wasn't just like you know tickling you from 80, it was like you had to like perma run your ansel the whole time. So we're just like, all right, we we can't fight literally anything else because there's this Mac, which like, I don't know. I'm more okay with that than like Vargers and Marauders because they can also just jump on top of you always and they do insane DPS that like deletes you and that kind of thing. But I was like, okay, maybe, maybe the short range, like if he was an Arty Mac, I'd be like, okay, totally makes sense because then you know You have the option to like go in and get under guns that kind of thing, but the fact that you can still shoot that far, you have good tracking, and up close you do like monster DPS. It's kind of dumb. So, anyways, that's my. We don't have to rant about it forever, but that's kind of my thought. Is like maybe the fall off on large guns, like it feels about right for mediums and smalls, but for large guns it just seems kind of insane, especially on certain holes.
0: On anything, like it's it's a combination of like a fall off bonus and. The way they interact with tracking computers, I think.
1: Yeah, because it's a a lot of. I mean, for Vargas, it's not necessarily um, armor fits, but like a lot of times it's armor max with like the double TTs that can shoot you from stupid far.
0: Or you know that Mac probably didn't have a tank on it. Right. Like you know he probably had like one or two slots of tank total and no tackle.
1: Yeah, which I mean in that case you're almost like like it's kind of fine because it's one of those things where they're like he's making a trade-off that's being made up for by the fact that he has like eight dudes around him to help protect him. And if they weren't there, like we could probably take him kind of thing.
0: Yeah, because he would just die so quickly. Right. With
1: a with a varger.
0: (laughs) It's like (laughs) less of that trade off, yeah. And even more maneuverability with the MJD bonus.
1: Right. So Vargas still stuck. My mind has not changed. Hey, uh, listen,
0: at least they didn't make Bastion apply to rapid heavy missile launchers. Oh, that's
1: true. Yes.
0: That was a that was a funny week on CC.
1: Oh man. Yeah, because like we, we fought paladins and they're like tough, but you can still like mitigate some damage through tracking and golems because of the just the missile application. Um they're not terrible to fight either, especially if you're in smaller ships. But like Varger's just still like you see a Varger, you just run away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. Or you're in a gang that's specifically ready to take on a Marauder.
1: Right. And I was thinking about that too. And then but then nothing else wants to fight you. So Yeah. <laughs> or and the the you know, and the Marauder doesn't want to fight you because he knows you can kill him when you have like two lodgy on field and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah, there's definitely exceptions. Like I've seen some people do some crazy stuff. Uh, like one of the guys in desync, um, I think it was Gideon and a guy from HTP, They just had dual phantasms and they literally just burned down. I don't think it was a Varger, I think it was a golem, but they literally like burned down the golem just between the two of them by just like finally running him out of cap boosters. No one came to help him. It took like 15 minutes or whatever for him to finally run out. And they just like burned him down after he ran out of cap. Yeah. So it's like, it's doable. You have to have, you know, the right ships, like ships that can sig tank and that kind of thing. But you can do it in smaller numbers. I don't want to like pretend like it's impossible, but the the time is real.
0: Well, especially, you know, this was, this was actually what I was going to say is like, what I would like CCP to change that they haven't been talking about that I've noticed is um, Ancelvex's Ancelvex jump gates with no jump cooldown of any kind is part of why you don't have time. Because you can, people can move. You know, we were having actually a conversation about this in the less than ten Discord the other day, and um, Jordy was saying that that's basically why Skillu, or it's a big part of why Skillu decided our gameplay isn't going to work anymore, because the Anselix jump gates allow they 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 make it so that a smaller force is not more mobile, and so you cannot geographically create um you know a, a local advantage in numbers with 10 guys over 2 guys because the other 600 can move freely wherever they want very quickly
1: right which is kind of reminiscent of like the PL you know, glory days or whatever you want to call it, where they could you know jump caps to literally anywhere right. because there wasn't footage, they had right?
0: sino alts everywhere, so they could just chain jump, boom, 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 all the way across the galaxy. It's very much like that, and they were completely dominant because of that mobility.
1: Yeah, and now you have the same thing to to a lesser extent because it's only blue space, right? Or it's only space where you have blue jump bridges
0: wherever you have access
1: the more blue yeah the more blues you have um, or the more space you have the easier that becomes to you know turn 30 jumps into five or six jumps kind of thing
0: yeah for sure and it's i i i think from what i have heard people saying and what i have seen myself i think that it's a big contributor to the you know consolidation that's happened in Nullsec because between there being sort of infinite uh pve resources in a given system and infinite mobility there's there's really no reason not to cluster into a giant ball
1: yeah it's kind of weird right because the the fact that you can get places faster easier means that you can spread out more and still respond to things but it makes sense to stay close because for the most part um which I think is a big thing that CCP is kind of push back this on this year is like the fact that like it used to be you could stick in like three systems and that was all you needed now with DBS like there's some penalties to just being like in one very, very small True. region. True. But you're right that like people still cluster a lot and then can get to the places they need through blues and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And it's you know, it creates this whole environment where you can own space that you don't live in um which then means you can rent it and it creates this whole rental economy thing which i think is absolutely toxic for eve in general um but as long as we have this essentially free mobility because you know even though it requires fuel the cost of using it, unless you're ramming large numbers of caps through one of these jump bridges the the cost is on an alliance scale pretty meaningless
1: yeah yeah it is um Yeah, I I feel like um, at least on the rental front, like I don't mind renters because sometimes renters, especially when they try to defend themselves, are like really fun fights where you get people who like don't necessarily outnumber you and that kind of thing. Um, But a lot of times you also get people that just like dock up and refuse to fight whatsoever. So it's like a 50-50. But I agree that, you know, like the fuel costs and that kind of thing are like no way to balance jump bridges. And they have, like, kind of sort of tuned back jump bridges in a couple ways, but not super meaningful. It used to be, like, right, that if you had an aggression timer, you could still jump through a jump bridge and, like, stupid stuff like that that's been changed. but Yes, that's true. But the the core issue that, like, there's no fatigue, you can still move anywhere. Um,
0: yeah, the, the force projection that they nerfed by adding capital jump fatigue is back in Munin form.
1: Yeah, which I also think is funny because um, old jump bridges that they used anselplexes to replace had jump fatigue. Right, <laughs> like,
0: right. Past jump bridges have jump fatigue.
1: Yeah, they had they literally had subcat bridges with jump fatigue, and decided <laughs> to remove. <laughs> they said, it. "Nah,
0: this will be fine."
1: Which is the best part. Yeah, I I think that's what makes it funny. Like, if it wasn't a thing before and they had added it in, we're like, well, maybe for subcaps we don't have fatigue and for caps we have fatigue so that there's some, like, you know, incentive. Yeah, incentive to use subcaps instead of capitals or something like that, right? But they already had jump fatigue. It worked okay. Um, And then they were like, no, let's get rid of this.
0: Yep. Which is nice if you're in a null group that uses them, but uh, otherwise, not so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like I. I think there's always kind of like there needs to be some incentive for living in an area and maintaining that space. But I think that like it's kind of overtuned tuned to uh, some extent.
0: The jump bridge chains that exist don't facilitate living in an area and owning a space. They facilitate owning space that you don't live in.
1: Yeah, or like owning. I, I think it means also that it matters less where you own like as long as you have routing space you can live like deep deep in a pocket yeah easily still have logistic bridges or get to fights on the front or whatever kind of thing where like i think there's less importance to having it used to be that you know the really really valuable regions were the ones where you either had good access to um like some market hub or to yeah. that people used a lot and i feel like now you just have to be blue to people who have that and you're just as good off because it just adds you know two three jumps or whatever right
0: You just take your your jump freighter through the jump bridge a couple of times or whatever yeah yeah i agree and i think it's it reduces the amount that people actually know about eve's geography also because they just learn the jump bridge network and they don't bother to like Look at actual maps in game or on Dotland or wherever, and see what is connected to what. And like, you know, they they built that CCP built that and made those connections, presumably intentionally. And we know that they're like conscious of some of those things because they deliberately cut the short route between Amar and Jita with Pochven and forced everyone to go through Amazon you know when they added that stargate it's now the shortest route through a very camped low sec so ccp is conscious of their geography but they seem to be fine with you know the majority of the non-high sec player base just totally ignoring it
1: yeah and i think there's some well I w- two things so you know Blopsing, i think that also becomes apparent right because there's like these weird pockets that because of where they fall in kind of like up and down compared to left and right like they'll be out of blobs range even though they look really close they might be two right. or three jumps away but because they're they're like way up Either or way below down the plane yeah, or whatever they're like really really far light year wise and so like that kind of makes it cool and that like you can have certain pockets that are really hard to blobs into and that can be good for ratters and that kind of thing um and the other thing is like one of the cool things about wormholes is it gives you an avenue to get around some of the geography kind of restrictions, right? Like you can get around a pipe by using, um, you know, a high sec wormhole that comes back out, out into null sec or whatever.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I, I clearly recall spending a lot of time just like cruising around our null sec space. in one of the old alliances I was in scanning for holes. And if you found a good logistics hole, that was, you know, big news. And you would like tell the people you liked first. And then everyone else like two hours later,
1: yeah, nudge everyone that there's like a high sec direct or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I remember that too. It was
0: meaningful in a way that I think it isn't really a lot of the time now because you just take jump bridges until you're in jump freighter range of of low sec adjacent to high sec, and then you just jump and then you're done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see that. I think that's true. And like I said, I think like it jump bridges in general, like we had before and it wasn't that big of an issue. I think it's just the fact that there's no fatigue on them and like no cost or little to no cost.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I, I clearly recall some groups like Volta and others talking about how they would come out, you know, come out of Thera, come out of wormholes, or, you know, if you're blopsing, you can hit a spot. And if their whole response group takes all the jump bridges over there, then you in your more mobile, smaller wormhole slash blobs group, can go hit the same people's space somewhere else and they can't just turn around and go all the way back.
1: Yeah, they essentially need to have another standing fleet to do anything right. about it because half their standing fleet has Or they
0: need to make a you know a choice which makes Intel valuable about whether or not they should commit there or not. You know, right. and that yeah. sort of absent Uh, to some degree now with these without any any jump fatigue because yeah it's a couple of jumps and it's maybe a mild pain in the ass or anything but you're not you're not committing to not going back to your ratting or mining or whatever else you are doing and you're not using a jump clone timer and you're not you know making your home defense force inaccessible in any way because you just jump right back.
1: Right. Yeah. And I I guess like the, to push back, I think like a mechanic where, you know, the penalty is other players not being able to do anything for X amount of time is not ideal, but I do wish there was some kind of mechanic where using the exact same jump bridges or using jump bridges repeatedly would have some penalty. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the, the, the other solution to that, you know, if you want to keep doing whatever you were doing, is to not send everyone who can go every yeah, time. Yeah,
1: send like 20 dudes instead of 50 dudes or whatever. You know, yeah. yeah.
0: And they'll yes. go have some content over there because maybe they like PvP more than the PvE they're doing. So they want to go do that. And the people who are like, no, I care more about the PvE won't just dogpile on because why not?
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be nice because we'd get less responses. So I'd be happy with that. But uh, someone else also brought up the idea of basically having um, jump bridges have some kind of like polarization, basically, like wormholes do, where you could go through them and back, but then have X amount of timer before you could use it again kind of thing. Um, Longer than wormholes. So it's not just like five minutes, but basically where it's like if you respond to a region like you can't go back there through those jump bridges for, you know, 30 minutes hour or whatever it is. And so there's some, like, you can go out there once. Um, but if you decide to come back, like you're not going out there again to respond kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That could be interesting way to do it. Um, obviously I have fairly strong feelings about this, but I think, you know, in, in, classical warfare of every kind and also in eve being able to outmaneuver larger groups is how smaller groups win but (laughs) when the larger group can outmaneuver you it makes it a lot harder Um, right and it makes it a lot harder you know as a game designer to balance things i think because you have to if you're looking at small gang as a play style you have to be like okay our balance includes that everyone who wants to can respond to everything every time.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we're not the best people to talk on this part, but I think it's also fair to say that it's not just a smoking issue, right? Because you can do the same thing for, you know, structure timers, for other fights where you can third party super, super easily because you can just eat basically a 50, 100 man muni
0: you remember that Great Wildlands contract Noir had a little yes. while back? Yeah.
1: Um, Horde showed up with like a hundred people. You know,
0: Horde shows up, and you know, it's the same deal with like like the uh, the last time Frat reft the Rotes Fortezars and Pochven. Uh, Horde said they were going to show up, and now instead of a bunch of people showing up to fight Frat, there was no fight because Frat didn't show up because Horde was going to show up just to to punish them for Noras' State of the Alliance speech in which he said Horde was mean to them or something. I don't know, some <laughs> yeah, space no, politics no, yeah. nonsense, but Potchfinn is as accessible as anywhere, um, for sure. And in the same way, you know, like our Great Wildlands contract, like the first couple fights were really interesting and then one side phoned a big group and the other side phoned a big group. And it doesn't matter if those big groups have any actual interest in it it's free content and they can get there
1: right yeah and then all of a sudden it becomes instead of this small interesting conflict which like at least for me some of the funnest kind of fights or wars i've had in eve have all been the smaller ones where it's just like two groups that don't really have cap support superiority that have like pretty close to even numbers and it just kind of depends on the night who's going to have more like those tend to be like the most fun wars, and now it's very much like those groups. And then the second they call someone, it's like an, a hundred fifty versus hundred fifty minimum fight kind of thing. Yeah,
0: and there's sort of a sense that like we can maybe maybe we can have this little war for a minute, but at some point it's going to turn into a proxy war between these superpowers, and like fuck, I don't, I don't know why why show up.
1: Right, like the, the second someone starts losing badly to where it's not clear that they can win if, you know, things just teeter the other way or whatever. Once they start clearly losing, they bat phone. And then all of a sudden, the other side has the bat phone. And then it's whoever has the better bat phone wins kind of thing. Yes.
0: All right. We talked more about Anisflexes and Marauders. I'm proud of us, question mark. But let's do talk for a minute here. Let's jump down and talk about like what CCP has been talking about, which is that the age of prosperity is upon us, um, which I think is largely propaganda speak for this is as far back as we're rolling scarcity.
1: Right. Yeah. Which, uh, wasn't received the best, I think is fair to say. Um, but yeah, CCP has basically said that, uh, scarcity is over. There's more minerals now. Um, In theory, at least the way they've kind of done it is they've basically introduced, um, you know, this is going to be a little bit of PV stuff, but we'll try to like keep it mostly PVP centric. But basically, they've introduced a waste mechanic where there's more resources overall, but some of those resources get wasted. And depending on how you want to mine, you can either mine quickly um, and get a little bit more resources um, or you can mine slowly and get a lot more resources so either way if you have like semi-decent skills whatsoever um or are using a barge whatsoever you can basically get more minerals than you used to get um it's just a question of how much more and how much time you're willing to spend to get that
0: yeah which i think is an interesting you know is interesting system the main complaint aside from a, a whole bunch of straw men about how new bros won't ever be allowed to mine ever again, which is a the people complaining about that are the people who make that decision, so just don't do that, maybe. And b training into like decent waste percentages is like two weeks long or something. So I don't know. I don't. I'm not big on industry, but it it really felt like a lot of the arguments being made where we just don't want to not use rorquals.
1: Right. And I guess that's the other big part of the patch is um, all of the barges got slightly buffed. Rorkwolves got nerfed so that they're more in line with barges instead of mining like double the amount that barges do per tune. Um, yeah. So that was the other big thing. And th- there's some arguments about whether like that means that things will actually get more expensive because per tune you're pulling in less ore in the same amount of time um so people either have to like buy more tunes i think which is one of the other things that people are upset about is like if i want to mine the same amount i did before i need four tunes instead of two rorks or whatever kind of thing
0: yeah but i don't know this the state of things as it was uh was not healthy
1: yeah so ccp had like a, a live stream and they showed how much basically each type of ship was mining and like rooks were just oh, that, like absurd. that graphic was incredible like, that, yeah like I mean, you like
0: you saw this and you let this happen for two years are you crazy
1: yeah. if you saw that graph you're like okay like like rooks should be more i i, I don't think anyone dis- would disagree that you get to kind of the top ship and should mine at least a little bit more than ships below it but like the numbers were just absolutely insert absurd. Like it was crazy to me.
0: Yes, it was a bit much. And now, you know, they dialed it way back. We're dialing it back up. They updated a a balance pass on mining ships now. Yeah. Which is interesting.
1: I, I think that's kind of like, you know, for everyone that PVPs, there's kind of two questions. One being, you know, which ships are, like, are ships going to get uh, cheaper than they were before, right? Which is, I think, you know, everyone who's PvPing yeah. is like, you know, can I buy the same ship for cheaper? Can I get more pews out? Um, which, because of kind of the things we said, like, Rookroll's getting nerfed, um barges getting buffed, and then The way the kind of new waste mechanics work, it's not really clear whether things will get cheaper. I don't think things will get more expensive, but I don't know if things will get any cheaper or the things that I've been
0: looking at on the market have stayed pretty stable for the most part. Um, And I think that they will get a little cheaper as people, you know, adapt to the new system. Um, and as we get through the, the holidays and everything shuts back down because of COVID again, you know, people have more time to mine. But in general, I think that we're still in that transition and it hasn't fully adapted, but that things have not gotten more expensive while we were in this transition period to me make, makes me feel like in the end they will end up cheaper.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. And then, like you said, 10, the other thing that kind of came with this patch was um, kind of a balance pass on all of the mining ships, both from a kind of mining perspective, but also from fitting EHP type perspective. So all the barges got kind of buff slash reorganized. All of them have kind of better base EHP in general. Um, But then the proc and the hulk i think the or the skiff the proc and the skiff um which used to be the really tanky ones kind of came out of it the worst actually so they do a lot of drone um damage but they lost i think a mid slot um and their align time is now like battleship plus align time and the align time on the proc is like 19 seconds so now a lot of people like aren't necessarily using procs uh, that i've seen just because it's like takes forever to get them out of a belt
0: interesting and that's useful for us too if we're trying to tackle them.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so if you can find them and tackle them that's great but then the other thing too is like a lot of the pvpers i've talked to are not super happy about it either because they're like oh like we have this great idea for you know bait procs and everything but then when you start looking at it because they removed one of the mids right you use your tackle slots and then like it's hard to fit enough tank and fit tackle mods
0: yeah yeah i've heard that as well
1: So they still do monster DPS um, for, well, they they do decent DPS for a barge. Um, They're nothing to like laugh at. If you have like 10 procs in a belt mining away and you tackle one and you see like, yeah, but they're, they're not, I think the super tough, you know, miner that maybe people were hoping for, but the other barges have kind of that used to be like paper tank basically uh, are a little bit better. So now I think the other barges are more viable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was kind of part of the point is to like make it more of a trade off so that you're ideally you see people using the specialist ship for each instance rather than the ship that will live in the most instances kind of a deal.
1: Right. And I think the the proc kind of lost its spot where it used to be good um, because the others got better. But I think like in general, they're fairly balanced for the most part, again, except the proc like. Now, I I think it has kind of it's at that level where it doesn't have so much more tank that it's just like super, super hard to kill. Um, But it has they all have enough tank that if they get tackled, they're either all going to survive or all going to die kind of thing. I don't think it has enough tank to like make it survive where the others wouldn't kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Orcas now have an industrial core um, like Rorquals in that it sort of allows you to do some industrial process that I don't really understand. Um, but it, they do not have the the panic invulnerability that Rorquals do.
1: Yeah, the big thing with the Orca industrial core is that basically the a lot of the bonuses that the Orca had um, kind of inherently in its base hole now got moved to the core. So you have to like basically activate it. So like a Rourke, like you activate it and you get better drone DPS, better reps, better boosts, that kind of thing. And so you kind of have to choose between being locked in place and having these good bonuses. Uh, but when you have those bonuses, they're no joke. Um, like we tackled a Rourke the other day, we ended up killing it, but it like almost deleted a retribution before it could warp off. Um, just with like a flight of light drones, um, because oh. it like popped its industrial core, um, and they do like good DPS. So basically like you get this choice where the, the Rourkes are, or the orcas are really strong, but only in this, like immobilized state kind of thing. Interesting.
0: Well, I guess we'll see how that uh, that all shakes out. They also um, there's a little CCP live stream to talk about some of these changes and talk about um, their post they made about like the the next set of things that they want to look at, which I thought was interesting. The list itself was uh, very interesting. They're talking about citadels. They're talking about faction warfare. They're talking about I think it was on the stream they talked about how they want to revamp Nullsec PvE anomalies which that no. uh, <laughs> If we want to talk about that one that's that a little contentious yeah is the most contentious I think because they're talking about they want to make them more rewarding and more difficult but they're not confident about making them more difficult without you know somehow limiting what you can put in them Because right now, like, you know, the average anomaly you can warp a 600-man fleet into if you really want to. Um, And they feel like there's no way to to really balance the challenge against an indefinite number of pilots, which is, I think, a fair concern. But if they make it so that only three people can enter, for example, then it's basically their own instance because they can just put three people in it and then no one can go in and attack them. And that's, you know, moving towards that sort of instance safe space is something that we've seen with the Proving Grounds and with the Abyssal PVE, and which has definitely taken more people out of space in a way that a lot of people think is bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen it too um, with just roaming during kind of the winter events, right? So they have these um, winter ice storms or whatever that you can mine in. And the only ships that can go in these sites are mining ships and industrial ships. So unless you bring or intentionally like reship to, you know, like battle procs Com- or whatever. Combat
0: mining yeah, ships. Yeah, combat
1: industrials, right? Um, you just come in the system, you warp to this, you know, gate. And then it says, sorry, you can't take this gate unless you're in, uh, you know, in a mining ship. And so these people can like mine away in Nolsec with no you know, no risk whatsoever, which kind of defeats the entire purpose of, you know, having kind of these good rewarding sites in Nullsec, because the point, you know, has always been in Eve, right? That the 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 more dangerous the space, the better the rewards kind of thing. And there's this trade-off right. where if you want the the best is per hour, you have to go somewhere where there's a risk of dying. Um and I wish I had kind of the the wording in front of me directly like from the live stream. But basically the the I think CCP is still aware that like they or they still intend to make it so that people are vulnerable at some point. It's not just yes. Like you go in with three people. You can never be touched. You finish it and you leave. They they want to have like like what they called I think like windows of vulnerability.
0: Yes, they did specifically mention that um, one of the ideas. I think I can't remember if I was from the stream or somewhere else. Was that like you know much like an abyssal site it spits you back out at a spot that other people can find and wait at. Right. Kind of thing. Some kind of point where you will have to be that people can interfere with you.
1: Right. And I think like in, in theory that sounds really good, but um, we were having like a pretty, you know, lively discussion about it. And my biggest complaint with it is depending on what the time frame is, like it's really, really like, painful to sit there and wait. Like, for example, Abyssal's, right? If you catch someone doing an Abyssal and you can kill them, you have to wait up to 15 minutes for them to finish their site, right? And that's not good content. Like, I don't want to wait 15 minutes to kill one ship. Like, right. because I don't want to kill Like, my goal isn't even to kill that ship, right? My goal is to, like, at least for us, is to catch that ship and hope that they'll escalate into something else by trying to save that ship. And then fight whatever response comes. Like, killing an Ishtar is not rewarding. I know people will, like, scream on, you know, Reddit or whatever that, like, all we like to do is go kill Ishtars. But if I come back and I've killed, like, four Ishtars a night and nothing else, I'm like, that sucked. Like, right. That's
0: the same as flying around and nothing happening,
1: basically. Right. It's the same thing as, like, you know, these big block fights where, like, someone just stands down, right? It's that same feeling. It's like you went okay, maybe you killed one thing, two things, but you didn't actually get a fight and that's what you wanted. Like, I wanted to fight out of it. I didn't want to like RF the structure, you know? I wanted to get a fight where I got to kill things. Like, that's, it's that same feeling where it's like, I'm trying to force a fight where something interesting happens, whether that's me dying, but to some enemy gang that actually wants to fight me or not is, you know, who cares? Like, I want something to happen. And yes, so
0: experience of it, not the, the killboard stat.
1: Right. And so like waiting, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes for one ship or two ships to come out of a site. Like, I don't really care if they're vulnerable. That's not what I want. Yeah. And, and to be clear, like CCP has made it, they, they didn't, they made it very vague intentionally that, you know, they were thinking about this. They were yes. thinking about it. Everything they said like,
0: in that stream was very like, Concept level and not at all like practical functionality details. It was very much like we like the idea. We want to make null sex sites interestingly difficult, and we might have to do this to get there. And how can we then maybe make it interact with space anyway?
1: Right, and and so again, like kind of back to the idea where you know it sounds good on paper, but I think that it really just, like, doesn't function the way we're hoping is, like, for that reason, like, and you kind of see that with ESS stuff, like, I don't know the last time I robbed an ESS because I can't be bothered to wait, you know, even five minutes or whatever for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 mil, because I don't want the the ISK, I want someone to come fight me. And people have, like, more or less stopped kind of coming to defend ESSs because I think they tend to lose more than they ever gain kind of fighting for them. Yeah. and So it's like, I don't want to wait five minutes before I can go somewhere else. I want to like find a fight now kind of thing. Um, And so I think the same thing happens, like the idea that there's some trade off like sounds really good. But a lot of times the isk is never the goal for the people that are attacking. right? Like, right. I don't care if I can make a bill in ESS bounties in a night by going like chaining them and having no one fight me. Like, I'll, I'll throw that money out if I can just get like one good fight that night. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would literally pay a billion is to some group if I could get like a good, nice, not even even, but like fight where there was no marauders kind of thing. And I think like a lot of small gangers are in the same boat, right? Like, they're not, they're not there for the is like, as long as they have enough is that they can reship and do it again, they're happy but they want the good fights or they want like the challenge and you have to force that challenge somehow. And like, ESSs aren't really doing it. I don't think that, you know, someone popping out of their site and there's, you know, a gang of nine people waiting to murder them is the way to do it either.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't either. I hope they come up with some alternative solution to that situation because null sec PVE anomalies do desperately need a rework. Um, Yeah. They're super boring. They're not, Good content, and they're not good isk, and they're not, you know, they're not. And no one, no one likes them or wants them the way they are, really.
1: Right, and like you said, like it is true that it's really hard to balance the sites when there's like infinite number of people that can go do them, right?
0: Yeah. Like- well, that's the thing. Is like, you know, make the site. The site admits three people, and if a fourth person goes in, the bounty isk turns off until the fourth person is gone. Or something, you know, like there's got to be some mechanic they can do where it penalizes the reward rather than just not letting people in. Or something. I don't know. Maybe that would just lead to a bunch of people griefing and interceptors warping into the sites and canceling people's payouts.
1: Right, which you kind of see that in Pochfin, right? Or at least for a while there was like an yeah, issue. <laughs> so I, I think that's maybe, you know, that's kind of what they tried, right? Like the, Right. The,
0: but I think I you know, that's that's like Pochfin, those Potchfin sites, like three of them exist at a time in the entire game.
1: Right. It's definitely different than null. Not site, yeah.
0: in every null sex system forever. But, you know, I don't know, some some mechanic that makes it worth doing and hopefully interesting to do for those players so that they like, you know, enjoy playing Eve and aren't just like also playing Eve while they do four other things, but also that doesn't, you know, excuse them from the the shared game world.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, if people are interested in doing PVE because it's like engaging and out in space, like I would be ecstatic, right? Because it's more people to shoot at, assuming they're not locked away.
0: Yeah. And if they have to spread out and do that in groups of 30 instead of 600, even better.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I like the idea. I like that CCP is thinking about it. I'm just nervous that something that sounds good on paper won't be good in practice for kind of the reasons we already talked about
0: yeah i agree they're definitely some of the things they'd said on the stream were were pretty positive they want dreads to cost a little less so that people throw them around a little more willingly which i think is good um, yeah i mean
1: dread brawls were like the only capital fight that ever actually like had fun in so yeah if we could see big dread brawls again i would love it
0: or small dread brawls you know, yeah, that too. Like three, four dreads. If it's no longer like risking the price of a super to drop three dreads on something, you know, just to see how it goes, that would be that'd be cool. I think they're in a pretty good place, you know, projection and balance wise. Like a Haw dread, you can't really ignore, but you can flay around it. So uh, that would be good. Navy battleships apparently need to be buffed. I've I've heard this rumor before. Um, it is accurate hopefully that will happen battleships in general i believe they said they wanted the price to come down a little bit
1: yeah the the battleship one was interesting because they said that basically so the the way they framed it is that to do this full kind of rebalance of the economy and you know everything in eve they needed to pick some center point and they wanted that center point to be battleships because they thought that was a good goal for like the average player um and so their argument was that they basically have kind of an internal goal for, this is how long it should take to earn a battleship. And this is what a battleship should be capable of. Um, and at least right now, the way they framed it, they won't give those exact numbers, but they've said that basically it, it takes too long in you know Eve is grinding time to get a battleship as of now. So they want them to be cheaper. But also, battleships aren't as strong as they want battleships to be. So they also want to buff just kind of the overall strength of battleships in general.
0: Yeah. Well, that'd be nice. I'd like to see more battleships that aren't praxises in space.
1: Yeah, something other than um, a praxis or a bar <laughs> yeah. guest would be or a nightmare. Like, yeah, <laughs> would be. Yeah, good. there's
0: there are a whole bunch of other ones, um, and some of the navy ones I really like, uh, and I wish were better. So hopefully they'll get that. Shaken out in a way that's that everyone likes. Um, they did. They did note that, like you know, now that they have they have depleted these giant stockpiles from the Rourke mining, and they have rejigged industry in such a way that now, you know, battleship prices and dreadnought prices aren't directly tied together because the primary resource they both use is exactly the same. You know, and similarly through all the different other tiers. They can now much more easily tune the price of faction cruisers, but not faction battleships, and not T1 battleships, and not T2 cruisers. You know, just the the more targeted price and resource adjustments that I think will be. You know, if they follow through on that and actually cycle through those tweaks, that would be great. Because right now, faction cruisers are 300 to 500 mil, and most of them aren't necessarily worth that
1: yeah i think that's accurate
0: There are just some production bottlenecks that are really hampering it same with battleships
1: yeah and i I think probably our podcast is not the time to like deep dive into the the (laughs) bottlenecks and everything that are happening but yeah um i think like from the people who actually do industry that i've talked to it's partially like a a scarcity thing but also partially kind of a, a logistics thing and like some of the components for all of them are just like difficult to get to the places you need them or difficult to source and move kind of thing, uh, which causes them to be so much more expensive or so, so much lower in kind of just like volume um, than yeah. they used to be. Um, I think on the stream, they said that they're going to give it like three to six months or something like that. And then kind of revisit um, pirate cruiser. No, they, type stuff or- they
0: specifically said, they want to make building them from BPCs like a profitable activity in, in the fairly short term, because right now people are just sitting on the BPCs because the materials are
1: just too expensive,
0: too, yeah. much too expensive compared to like the LP cost of buying Navy ships.
1: Right. Yeah. Um Because that's the thing, right. Is like for, well, I guess so for pirate ships, you have to get them from, is it that you have to get them from, drops? Or for pirate ships, can you get them also through LP store? I forget. Uh, you can also get them through LP store. Okay, so it's the same. And then for Navy, because for Navy, you can trade it directly in, or you can yes. get the BPCs, yeah. right? And everyone's just trading them directly in, because it doesn't make sense to build them from the BPCs.
0: Right, because it's they're just the materials are so expensive and unwieldy. So, I agree that we shouldn't go too far into this, because this is nominally a small gang podcast, but... It would be nice if, you know, now that they've made the big adjustments, they go back through and make the small adjustments to like, you know, they kind of sorted everything to where they want to start from, but now they need to tweak it again, which would be, you know, follow through. Let's have it.
1: Right. And it did sound like that's on the radar. So we'll keep our fingers crossed for that.
0: Yes. All right. Um... We've talked about all sorts of things today, but I did want to go back to the AT a little bit for a minute. Do you think, you know, we, we had the AT, it was super fun, uh, nearly, I don't know, what was it, 70-some, 80-some teams attempted to participate or, you know, signed up and through various feeder rounds and things were filtered down are you more excited for like the next tournament now? Oh,
1: 100%. Yeah. Um, I like tournament. Well, especially I guess when the tournament happened, um, like the big war was still going on people still like, there wasn't a lot of people out when you would go in Rome. And so like having tournament play was kind of just like, uh, or even like tournament practices was kind of like a mainstay and like this kind of like drought of activity elsewhere. Um, I think like without the war, there's a little bit more roaming activity, but still like it feels almost like a different game when you do tournaments and tournament practice compared to when you play on like the normal server and just roam around. And so like, I definitely am like missing that a little bit again. So I'm like very excited for more tournaments to happen.
0: Yes, I think um, at some point, Uh, early next year, their anger games is maybe going to announce another, another round of that tournament, which was seven V seven last year. Uh, Whenever they do produce something, I'll link it in the, in the discord and, and all that kind of thing. I'm also like, I think myself. And I think a lot of other people are very hyped for more tournament stuff. Having, having participated, you know, to whatever extent in the AT, um, and since it's been so long since there was one, I think a lot of players who are who are now current players, there's certainly you know quite a crop of former AT participants who are still playing or came back for this AT. But a lot of newer players were like, found it to be way more interesting than they expected. I think.
1: Right. I mean, so I was trying to think back um, before AT because I think that. There was, I think since I started playing, there was maybe two ATs, like an AT started right when I joined the game. I had no clue about it didn't watch it. And then kind of a year in, just as I was starting to PVP was when the the second AT during kind of my playtime happened. And I watched the full thing and I was like super enamored because I was trying to learn how to PVP at the time. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And it like really, really motivated me to like actually try to get better. Um, yeah. And I think that like at least from what I've seen anecdotally, because like uh Noir has like a academy program and that kind of thing, like we've seen a lot more interest in like PvP, at least that I've seen. Um and so I think that's true that like people see the tournament, it's way more interesting than they thought, or they're just getting into the PvP and then they see like this is what PvP can this is look what, like. Yeah. Like
0: serious execution looks like. Right, or and not I think, in some cases. Yeah, but, or not. Like, you know, but like you can really see the difference.
1: Right, and it's just like uh, kind of like I said, like it it just feels so much different from what you see on TQ, um, like normally when you're just roaming. That like I think it just adds like a different. It feels like a different game almost, um, which I think is the case with like a lot of games you play or you see competitively. It's like if you go and play that game, like your games don't look anything like the pro games, but like seeing how the pros play gives you something to like aspire to, or like something that's really interesting to like, why are they doing it the way they're doing? Why did they pick this ship over that ship? All that kind of stuff, Um, which I think is something that like Eve players, like I know a lot of people who like the theory craft, like to do all that kind of stuff. Like a lot of that comes into play for tournaments that I think doesn't necessarily come into play when you roam.
0: Yes. Well, or, or isn't part of corp culture for a lot of people, you know, I know Nano Currency. Like we decided, instead of a you know a normal Secret Santa this year, to do a Corp White Elephant gift um, thing, and some of the the products of that, like a a kiting light missile damp Jaguar, um, and some other things. I like, saw this and it was linked. Uh, I believe our our resident mollus expert was given a a soon which has a one more mid slot than a mollus for extra damps and a longer lock range natively. So you can um, make it do some very silly things, but it, the damps aren't bonus. So it's also kind of a joke, which was the whole point. So, you know, like we, we have a bunch of people who, who are constantly theory crafting fits and fussing with that. But I think that's not true of, you know, I think it's true of a lot of small gang groups, but it's definitely not true of a lot of other groups and having a, a really specific rule set and a really, you know, kind of controlled environment lets people get into that in a way that they otherwise wouldn't. Because, you know, what do I? What am I theory crafting a fit for? Like, if I'm just gonna, I'm gonna theory craft a hurricane fit. First, I have to decide where I'm taking it. If I'm going to do an ESS, how many people I'm gonna fight? You know, like there's all these these variables in the in the broader Eve world that make it sort of I don't know, we'll we'll try this. But if you're fitting for this role in this very limited composition with this set of fitting rules that limits the modules you can use, I think it gives people a sense of of focus on it that they don't otherwise get. And that makes it much more
1: satisfying. Right. And also like you get so many combinations that are like there's only a finite number of combinations you can make, right? But there's still a lot of variety. And so you, you kind of sort of know what you're going to go up against, but you have to do just as much theory crafting, figuring out what you might see with a given comp as you do coming up with the original comp itself, which I think is cool.
0: Yes, absolutely. And once you've built it, then you're like, okay, how would I take this apart
1: if I were my opponent?
0: You know, like if I knew uh, someone was bringing this, what would I bring to fight it?
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I like that part. I miss that part too. It's fun. I, like I didn't participate a ton in the theory crafting side of things. Like I definitely was there for just about every practice and I was, you know, flying my little heart out, but um, I like was definitely at least watching kind of theory crafting, what people were picking, why they were picking it. It was like kind of cool to just observe that.
0: Yeah. And it's definitely cool just to watch the AT, which I, you know, did for many years. And I never, really set out to participate in it because my work schedule usually doesn't really let me, you know, have the, the times to match up with other people and do it. But between COVID and a variety of other things I was able to do this year, which I'm really glad about, but like just watching it, I learn things and I'm like you were saying earlier, like it's inspirational. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, especially for me, at least like, I think I'm excited for like a 5v5 or a 7v7 tourney because um, like AT just like the one thing you kind of always underestimate is like how much work it is to just get 10 people all together at the same time. Um, to fly together uh, and know what everyone's doing at the same time. (laughs) And like, there's a lot of stress there. I like every team captain. I have so much more respect after seeing like, you know, getting people there on time, getting people in the ships they need to be in on time, getting people, you know, with the right implants, getting people warped in at the right range.
0: We saw that some of our practices, if the other team was on the ball about switching comps and clearing fields and stuff, we would get 10 to 30% more matches out of the same amount of time. If both sides are like rolling, you know, I can't imagine wrangling like boundary experts did a lot of internal scrimmages because they had enough people to do that. And like, that's too many people to manage.
1: Right. Yeah. And so like, I feel like hopefully, I mean, I haven't taken part in like a five V five or anything like that, but I can like imagine that it's hopefully like all the good things are very similar, the same. And all the, you know, management parts are just like a little, little easier people that you have to worry about. (laughs) Yeah. So again, like I haven't done it, but like, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, it's like a less stressful version uh, with all the same fun things.
0: So how do you feel about the proving grounds? Have you
1: done them much? So actually after it would have been after AT was the first time I did proving grounds, I think ever, um, because I was like, you know, I kind of want to try it. And I I got the, the PVP bug or like, you know, I, I had a lot of fun during the tournament. So I was like, I want to kind of keep this going. Um, so I took part and it was when they were doing, I think the frigate free for all, I think is what it was. It was like T1 frigates and it was like one V one V one type thing. Yeah. Um, or there might have been four people. I, I can't remember the exact numbers, yeah. but um, it was okay. I actually, won a couple, um, lost most of them uh, as expected. But yeah, it was it was okay. Like um, I just I think if I had more time to like sit down and think about the meta and do that kind of thing, um, I would have had more fun with it. Uh, but I didn't have an, a lot of time, so I ended up doing like maybe eight, nine rounds, and that was all, which I don't think yeah. was really enough. Um, I just stole a, a fit from one of the end Coin people, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "This fit will work." And I just did that fit like five times. Didn't change my fit. Didn't try to optimize anything. I was like, "I just want to kind of yeah. mess around." Um, and I, I don't fly like a lot of. I, I usually fly interceptor, Ewarfrig, or Lodgy. Um So it was just kind of like out of my wheelhouse, which was fun, but when you're going against people who um, like, I think I saw Skykiller in there. Um, I saw Exna yeah. who is one of the end coin people and very good. Uh, I saw a couple other people who are like names I recognize. Um, and it's like one of those things where you're going against people who like definitely know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I've done a bunch of them. The free for all ones are always like, there's an element of randomness to it. Like if you happen to be the person that two or three other people pick first, like, you know, Success. it just it doesn't really matter how good you are. Um, sometimes you can just like evade until they give up and start fighting each other. But you know, there's there's some of that, so you have to go into those with a a spirit of like, we'll see what interesting thing happens here. You know, more than like I have to win this. Right. Unless you're prepared to spend a bunch of isk on top of the line you know, as, as high as they go in the arena implants and drugs and stuff, um, which some people do and it does work. They can give you quite an edge, but I find the, the more limited, like 2v2, 1v1 ones to be a lot more fun. Um, because there's less of that, you know, it's more of a, Am I going to beat this guy or not? Not. Am I going to beat this guy before these other two guys get sick of hiding in the corner in their drone boats and just kill us both?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Like, um, I I when I did the um, proving grounds, I was like, oh, this is okay, but like, I think I would have more fun with the two v two. And then a few two v twos have actually come through, but I was like busy or doing other things for whatever reason. So I think the next time a two v two comes through, that's like smaller ships I'd like to try it and give it a a actual go because I think that's the always the thing right is like I feel like one of the frustrating things both flying in null and flying in the free-for-alls is that whether or not you survive has something to do with you know just kind of random chance like do they blob us do they choose to, you know, shoot me first of the four people or whatever that are on grid kind of thing?
0: Right. you queue into the three guys from the same core queuing on right, the same time? Exactly.
1: Or like, you know, when I queued in with Xnet, it was like kill everyone else and then the two of us were left and then whoever survives out of us is the winner kind of thing. So like that kind of thing where it's like, you know, how unlucky do you get kind of thing. I always like, especially in Proving Grounds where it's supposed to be a competitive thing, that like I hate that feeling of like it was just you were the unlucky one that got shot first kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but when it's like 2v2 or that kind of thing, I think it's a little bit like more enjoyable because it comes more down to like skill and well, skill on grid, but then also like theory crafting, like what ships do you pick and how well do they fit together kind of thing.
0: Yes. And I, that's, that's one of those things where like, if I, exp- when I go out into null spec, I don't expect it to be remotely fair. I expect it to be unfair and some randomness about where I go and who I find and how many people show up and all that. And that's a kind of challenge that I can enjoy, but it's a different thing than when I'm going into a restricted arena where I, you know, I'm like, I want to have a largely skill expression fight with someone on equal footing. But then if there's randomness in that, it doesn't feel like that. And that feels bad.
1: Right. Yeah. The worst thing is that feeling that things aren't fair when they should be fair, not that they're unfair and you were expecting that.
0: Yeah. Right. It's been interesting to see how the um the event drugs have interacted with the proving grounds too. I didn't participate in the last couple of proving grounds, um, when the the winter drugs were out and, and all that, but before that when there were I forget which of oh, it was the Blood Raiders the Blood Raider drugs were out when the like for example the Battlecruiser one v one happened. And normally if you're thinking one v one battlecruisers, you're expecting to see a whole bunch of Brutixes and maybe some other things, I guess. Um, but there was massive damage bonus laser drugs, enough so that you could you could beat Brutixes in Oracles if you were, made the right choices. Right. I thought that was really interesting way for it to sort of, you know, way to, to modify the meta. And like the last however long, people have been flying Tenement droggers and Phantasms and, and things that normally, you know, are maybe more limited in where they excel. But with these Winter Drugs, there's this huge Afterburner speed bonus. And that makes them a little more, you know, it's enough to tip them over into really good.
1: Yeah. I was kind of bummed because I, I realized like I don't have a lot of like uh afterburner bonus. Like I don't fly any Sancho ships or I don't like have them just kind of on hand. And so I saw the drugs and I was like, Oh, what can I use these on? And then I realized I was like, Oh, I have like almost nothing that uses lasers and almost nothing that's afterburner. And I was like bummed because I was like, Oh, what do I I feel like these drugs are just gonna go to waste. Like Well,
0: there's still time. They got uh, till like February fourth or something.
1: Yeah, I have a retribution that I can use for the laser drugs, uh, but I might just have to get like a phantasm or something and use it.
0: Yeah, any shield ship. There's a there's nirvana drug and rapture drug that increases capregen. So.
1: Oh yeah, I did see the capregen. I might have taken that when I was flying Lodge E, but I could be wrong. I have to look. I have to go look at my queue. I, I also haven't been on E for a bit because I've been traveling with holidays and dog sitting for a friend and stuff so I have to see what i have when i um log back in and maybe i'll be pleasantly surprised yeah that'll
0: be interesting um i've kind of i like that they've started making these event boosters like really sizable effects and also different things like for the flood raiders one there was resistance bonuses nos bonuses um and some other stuff and this one there's you know, there's lasers tracking and damage that are mutually exclusive. And then there's shield hit points, cap regen and afterburner speed and stuff. And so like my, my dream is that CCP does balance passes fast enough to affect the meta every couple of months in terms of like the cruiser and below small gang meta. But if they just release drugs that skew it every couple of months, that's okay too.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a, a cheater way to do it, but I'm like not upset with that. Like yeah. I I don't have a problem with them releasing a drug that bonuses a certain type of ship that you can then, you know, encourages that use for a little bit of time without ever like permanently changing the ships, right?
0: Right. It's got an expiration date and we all know it's gonna end, so why not play with it for a little while? See how it goes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't really see that as a bad thing. Um especially like for the Saunter ships, it's the only one where I'm kind of like so-so about, you know, the afterburner and laser bonuses and the only reason why is because I feel like Saunter ships kind of became like the go-to um with the ESS changes, right? Because having bonus afterburners is just like obviously yeah. makes sense when you're in a bubble where you can only use an afterburner. Um, so I feel like Sancha ships got like a lot of focus be- because of that. And then adding drugs that obviously bonus Sancha ships, I think is like yeah less exciting than any of the other pirate ships that they could have yes, provided. Yes, that's true. That would help.
0: But it is, you know, it's the Sancha event.
1: Yeah, but that's true. So <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah. But, and, and I guess that opens the window for them to add bonuses for, um, you know, all the other events, right. That are like themed events by X pirate group, right. They can add bonuses that make sense with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's, I think it, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier sell internally and to the player base to say, we're going to release a drug that gives 20% bonus to afterburners. If they just did that and it was, you know, part of the game now forever, people would have all kinds of things to say about it. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. you know, you look at it, it, says it expires February 4th or 5th or whatever it is, and it's just right now. And then, it, like, that's okay because it's such a smaller commitment. You know, it doesn't have to be balanced because it isn't forever.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, I think that's the way to – I think that's the way to make the small changes. I hope that that doesn't, like, overcome entirely balancing ships in other ways that are more permanent.
0: No. Well, that's the thing is I think – we lose sight of it a little bit because we're like the Varger and the ships I fly haven't been changed, but they just a balance pass on the entire mining ship line. You know, they're doing balance changes. It's just not to everything all at once.
1: Right. Not to the things that I specifically care about. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. And I also think too, like uh, when you talk about balance changes, like the things that need balance changes the most, uh, aren't necessarily like specific ships that get used in Small King, right? It's like the the overall like hack versus battleship meta, um, like Munins and Serbs and like those kind of things are the ones that like really need changes that like are permanent. Where I feel yep. like the Small King meta gets stale here and there, but you can give a drug that will make it feel less stale for a month or whatever. And like, I'm totally fine with that. Like, I think that if you can keep it interesting until you have time to actually address things or shake things up, that's like a great way to do it with like very low input. Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, it certainly is also true that they, they need some time to see feedback because they did adjust Marauders not that long ago. And I think, you know, to some extent, many people think it wasn't enough. Some few people think it was too much. But having some actual, you know, usage statistic feedback is more meaningful than anyone's emotional reaction to it, certainly.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: All right. We should probably wrap up here pretty shortly. But I just wanted to ask, like, what are you looking forward to in EVE next year?
1: Oh, hmm. I didn't think about this one before
0: you know, definite or theoretical or, you know, whatever, however you want to break it down.
1: Well, let's see. Okay. So, so there's one, I kind of made like a Eve, you know, like new year's resolution type thing. And so I figure if I, I put that out on the air and uh, say, I'm looking forward to it, maybe it'll like help me commit to it. But um, kind of like I said, when we were talking about the proving ground stuff, like most of what I fly is interceptors, e frigates. Or Logi. Um, and I love flying all of those, but I realized that um, I almost never fly DPS. I'm terrible about like ammo selection, like uh, knowing native ship resistances and stuff because I never have to shoot them. So I never have to pick what the optimal ammo is or anything like that. Um, so kind of my my resolution is that I want to start flying more kind of core DPS ships so that I just get used to like a different role and like shake things up a little bit. And so I'm most looking forward to flying something that's kind of out of my comfort zone. So I like took a VEDMAC Mac out um, for maybe the second time, maybe the first time ever um, just the other week. And that was really fun and I enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to doing more stuff like that.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I I was thinking the other day that I should just, I should do more like I should I should let go of my uh, reflexive caution, I guess. Um, and just do more and more dangerous things in my succubus
1: until it dies. Just put it to good use, yeah, push the limits. See how
0: how far I can go because I have sat on grids with three or four Serbs and just been like, I'll probably live. And I did live, so maybe now it's time to see if it can outtrack a Varger.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it might be worth a try.
0: (laughs) Like, there will never be a better time than with these afterburner drugs. The thing goes, like, 4.5k cold.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's worth trying. I I feel like, too, especially, like, I, I have a bad habit of this where I like flying really cheap stuff because... I just did the quick math and realized that, you know, I can buy like 50 of these cheap maledictions and fly things that I like to fly, which is malediction forever kind of thing yeah. and never have to PBE ever again in my life if I do that. Um, but like it means I end up flying a lot of the same cheap things over and over and over again. And I'm like, I, I could probably like buy something a little bit blingier or a little bit more interesting or a little bit more fun or like out of my comfort zone still not break the bank and still like have fun doing something that I haven't done before kind of thing. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of push myself that way. I'm still not like a huge, like, you know, I don't use a ton of implants. I don't use a ton of drugs anything like that, but like just pushing a little bit out of my comfort zone and doing more fun things like that, flying a little more dangerous because like I can lose it and be fine. I'm not going to like go broke.
0: You start using synth drugs. They're, they're good now.
1: Oh, that's right, because they got the the double percent bonus or whatever, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they're definitely worth it on almost every ship. And it's like, you know, maybe it'll cost me 20 mil today to go on this roam because I'm going to burn these drugs no matter what.
1: You heard it here, kids. Ten is telling you to do drugs. That's correct. But only the safe drugs with no side effects. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. If you can find the safe drugs with no side effects, do as many of them as you can. I'm also looking forward to, to, you know, AT ships happening.
1: Yes, in January, hopefully, fingers crossed. That's,
0: yeah, hopefully. Get some stats, we'll get some some ships, we'll see people do dumb things with them. Um, I'm excited about all, all of the above. So,
1: yeah, earn your uh, AT feeder tag. Let us know when you right. use your ship. We'll yeah. give, you, we'll give yeah. you a pretty color on the less than 10 Discord.
0: <laughs> yes, we will. All right. All um, right. Well, we have ranged far and wide, particularly about nullsec things that normally don't directly interact with small gang, but which I think mostly do interact with it in various ways. Do you have any shout outs today?
1: Um, let's see. Uh, yes, I have one shout out. Um, I'll throw this guy on the podcast. So I got recognized in Eve for the first time and it made me feel good uh, by Dak Nalar. Um, he was chasing us with his friends, including a paladin, which I was not a huge fan of. But it was cool to like see someone recognize me from the pod- from a podcast and like be like, hey, that's Andy. So shout out to Dak.
0: That's cool. Um, I was duo roaming with Feral once. And these guys, we were in like a Gila and a Cinnable or a Gila and an Orthrus, something like that. And, like, three Orthruses and three Cinnables jumped into system, rammed us, and as they were killing us, we were like, hey, we were like the podcast, <laughs> and then just murdered us. It was oh, like, thank, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, thanks, I think, but, like, you could have brought a real fight, and I would have uh, liked it more.
0: I mean, it's fine. It's whatever. You know, they were they were also roaming around looking for a fight, and we were there, so... That's how it is sometimes, but it is funny to be recognized in that way. I'm going to shout out. Oh gosh. I'm going to shout out you, Andy. You're my shout out today because whether or not you can show up, whether or not you have anything to contribute. Every time I talk about doing these podcasts, you respond and you have thoughts and it is, you know, you're, you're a, A good co-creator.
1: I mean, you do like 95% of the work. Somebody else has to like contribute to the extra 5%.
0: I know, but you know, if you didn't show up, I'd just be sitting here talking to myself today, so it wouldn't be as interesting.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: All right. On that note, fly dangerous, everyone. And remember, it's not the size of your gang.
1: It's how you use it.
0: Oh, I should probably edit myself in here somewhere saying, like, happy holidays. <laughs> oh, yeah. <that's laughs> totally left that out. It's good, yeah. Yeah, happy holidays. Happy New Year.
1: Yeah, we should throw that at the beginning, yeah.
0: I'll just leave this on the end.
1: Or that, and be like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that.